Welcome in the Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton here on this throwback Thursday, and what a day it's going to be, as we have a fantastic show lined up for you. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of great stuff to talk about. Mo, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, working toward Christmas, obviously, trying to get some things squared away tying up some loose ends etc etc so well i'll tell you i am super pumped about today's show because we have a lot of well a lot of clarksville love today the queen city getting some love from main street sports today plenty of it mm-hmm. to be honest with you and looking forward to again because we have Clarksville girls coach, Brian Rush. I had to, it's funny, I, when I was looking up his name, I, I put in Eric Rush. You didn't find him. Well, <laughs> who I found was the police chief in Trustful, Alabama. Huh? Oh, wow. Who I worked, and that's where the name came, like when I was thinking mm-hmm. of it, that's how the name then I got Brian. We've we, we've got his picture. He he's right, so that's good. Uh, Justin, are we? What's up? Having trouble. Um, I think we are. Just a little tiny bit. I can hear um, you. Can you can hear you? us? Okay. I know the, the the video seems a little choppy. It was a little choppy. It's a little bit better now. And now it's bad.
Wallsage Event Center in Clarksville operating illegally. Are we back now? Can you hear us, Justin? I can, loud and clear. That's weird. I don't know what happened there, but glad that we got it fixed, I guess. Anyway, good show lined up. Brian, and hopefully we can give it to you. Brian Rush, Valer Shabila talking the U.S. soccer MLS drama as well as the MLS draft, which featured a Middle Tennessee player going numero uno to Toronto. So we'll talk a little bit about that, what what, uh, Nashville did as well. We'll also talk um, to Terry McCormick. And then on Throwback Thursday, we like to go back and give you one of our favorite interviews from the last week or so. We're going to go back to David Cutcliffe last week talking about Jeff Ferris, 1F, or 1R. 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 1F. 1F and 1R. Um, And we'll also get you some up-to-date information on everything going on in the world of sports, but we need to get you yesterday's results, some of today's results, and today's schedule on the rundown. This is the Rundown. Girls High School basketball action from Wednesday night. Wilson Central defeated Burke's Catholic of Pennsylvania 50-30. to Hewitt Trustville of Alabama defeated Blackman 50-45. to It was Brentwood 58, Stewart Creek 50. Cannon County with a 61-37 win over Riverdale. Cheatham County defeated Davidson Academy 54-39. Columbia Central moves to 11-1 with a 52-32 win over Brentwood Academy. Cumberland County down Nashville Christian 48-30. It was Ezell Harding 71, Ravenwood 44. Page defeated Florida State University High School of Florida 63-29. It was Oakland 49, Gallatin 18. Good Pasture with a 52-47 win over Metcalf County, Kentucky. Gordonsville down Lead Academy 66-27. Lipscomb down Overton 62-40. It was Livingston Academy 71, Lawrence County 62. Loretta with a 65-30 win over Deshville, Alabama. Mesquite of Arizona 41, Harpeth Hall 39. Mount Juliet 43, Webster County, Kentucky 35. Hope Prep 49, Trousdale County 39, Portland with a 43-23 win over Lawson. Rockvale Edge, Farragut 34-33, it was Westmoreland 43, Rossview 31. South Gibson with a 71-23 win over Tennessee Heat. Hendersonville defeated Springfield 60-35, it was Summertown 62, Collinwood 22. Green Hill with a 39-37 win over Watertown. And White County stayed undefeated, defeating Ensworth. 57-41. 57-41. Earlier today, Nashville Christian defeated Watertown 33-19. Boys action yesterday. Beach, 72-62 winners over Memphis Business. Did not give Beach the business. Did Memphis Business. BGA, 72. Clarkson Northeast, 33. As Blackman, 52-38 winners over Kirkwood. Southwind Downs, Cane Ridge, 56-29. Hazel Green of Alabama, 56-47 winner over Centennial. Columbia Central defeated the, now it's the Alabama School of Math and Science. Oh, no longer cyber technology? They beat hmm. a school from Alabama that hmm. teaches something hmm. other than athletics, clearly, 64-33. <laughs> Columbia Academy, 69-45 winners over Butler Prep of Illinois. 
Franklin Classical, 64-51 against Cornersville Forest, falls to Summit, 74-39. Fort Payne down Smyrna, 68-33. It was Franklin, 76-42, winners over Knowledge Academies. Jemison of Alabama, the Panthers, 58. Friendship Christian, 46. Gallatin, edges Oakland, 52-51. Gordonsville, 57-31, winners over Watertown. USJ falls to Lawrence County, 52-47. Cannon County, 46-43, winners over Lebanon. Uh, Blue Devils bounced back with a 60-44 win over Shelburne. It was Lipscomb Academy, 61-51 winners over Martin Luther King. Pearl Cone falls to Loretto, 69-48. NBA, 72-26 winners over Riverview East Academy of Ohio. Grissom, Alabama, the Tigers of Huntsville, 44 and Mount Juliet, 37. Smith County, 57-48 winners over Nashville Christian. Coffee County, 49-46 against Nolensville. Page falls to Oak Mountain of Alabama, 62-56. Ravenwood, 56-54, winners over Clarksville Academy, and a good one there. Riverdale, 55-37 over Maplewood. Rockville, 78. Farragut, 73. Pope Prep falls to Siegel, 67-60. Hendersonville down Springfield, 61-25. Station Camp uh, with a close one over Davidson Academy, 50-46. Summertown falls to Jackson Christian, 68-63. And White's Creek was a 54-36 winner over University School of Nashville, while McGuffin County, Kentucky, 71. Wilson Central, 52. Men's college basketball last night. Belmont with a 74-70 win over Arkansas State. Lipscomb big over Bryan College, 101-55. In women's hoops. It was Vanderbilt 70, Dayton 53, Austin Pete with a 57-55 win over New Mexico State. Middle Tennessee State closes out the pre-Christmas portion of their schedule with an 83-42 win over visiting Northern Kentucky. And it was Lawrence Tech 77, Cumberland 74. Earlier today, Lipscomb Falls to Kentucky 87-80. Girls basketball action today. In the high school ranks, tipping off at the bottom of the hour, it's Father Ryan in Cheatham County. Also at 2.30, it's Greenwood out of Bowling Green, Kentucky, taking on Pearl Cone. At 2.45, Page meets one of one prep, North Carolina. Interesting name there. At 3 o'clock, over at Lipscomb Academy, Columbia Central takes on Ezell Harding. Also at 3 o'clock, it's Cumberland County and Green Hill. Hume Fog and Liberty Creek at 3.30. Webb of Bell Buckle faces Ensworth. Also, Farragut takes on Stewart's Creek at 4.30. Hendersonville faces Oakland. Six o'clock starts for Middle Tennessee Christian at Christian Academy of Knoxville, or CAK. Christ Presbyterian Academy plays Coffee County at 6. Also, Upperman is at Creekwood. Montgomery Central is at Houston County. Good Pasture is at Lipscomb Academy. Kalioka is at Marshall County. Clarksville is at White House. Lebanon hosts Hewitt Trustful at 6.30. And at 7.30, Gallatin plays Springfield. Boys action. Here we go. Cannon County of Friendship at 2. Also at 2, Jemison and Rockville. Forest and Riverdale at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, it's Good Pasture East Robertson and Oakland Hendersonville. At 4 o'clock, Hazel Green takes on Centennial. Or Sipsy Valley takes on Centennial. Uh, my guess is Sipsy Valley takes on Centennial because at 5.30, Hazel Green takes on Battleground Academy. All right, let's go with Sipsy Valley then. Yeah. Sycamore and Antioch at 4.30, Ravenwood Southwind at, also at 4.30. At 5, it is Farragut and Loretto and Franklin Classical in Summertown. That's in Mount Pleasant, right? Mm -hmm. 
Hazel Green of Alabama takes on Battleground Academy at 5.30, as well as Columbia Central against uh, University School of Jackson. That's no, in Lawrenceburg. In La at Lawrence County, that's right. Brentwood and MBA at 5.30 as well. Pope Prep and Maplewood at 6 o'clock. McCracken County of Kentucky and Columbia Academy, Fairview. And hold up, that is at the FNB Bank Holiday Classic in Benton, Kentucky at Marshall County High School. FNB. FNB Bank. First National Bank Bank. I was going to say, is that like RIP in peace? That, that's like DSW shoe wear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Franklin Christian in Cornersville at 630 in, in Mount Pleasant, right? No. Yes. It is. Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought Cornersville was down there. Springfield mm -hmm. Gallatin at 6, Knox Webb and Brentwood Academy, and then Pearl Cone is at Mount Juliet at 630. At 7... Grace Christian Academy of Powder Springs, Georgia, is at Lawrence County. That's a new one on me, but okay. Knowledge, Knowledge Academies plays Franklin County at 7. Upperman plays at Creekwood at 7. Also, Rossview plays Evangel Christian out of Kentucky at 7.30. Tennessee Heat is at Franklin Road Academy at 7.30. Also at 7.30 is Cheatham County at Lawson. Hume Fog faces Liberty Creek. White's Creek is at Lipscomb Academy. Kalioka is at Marshall County. Christ Presbyterian is at Stewart's Creek. Tennessee Heat is at White County. And Franklin Simpson of Kentucky is at White House. Again, those are all at 7.30 p.m. At 8 o'clock, it's the nightcap out at Mount Pleasant as the host Tigers take on Jackson Christian. Men's College Basketball Hoops, 5.30 p.m. You can see it on ESPN Plus. Tarleton State of Stephenville, Texas takes on the university, the host University of Tennessee at the on-campus basketball facility. At 6 o'clock on Valley Sports South, the Predators are at Philadelphia. In the association, the Grizzlies are hosting the Pacers of Indiana. That one's at, again at 7 o'clock. It's on Valley Sports Southeast. And at 7.15 on Amazon Prime, it's the New Orleans Saints at the Los Angeles Rams. And that is your rundown. As is so often the case, much like every day, Top Story is brought to you by our friends at Higgly Wiggly in Neely's Mill Shopping Center. It's, it's, this, that was me, uh, me uh, imitating the, the preschool teacher that we watch on YouTube where she stop so that you can finish the sentence you know <laughs> my bad no it wasn't not you for our you know, the viewers are going to be oh, doing that. Okay. you know that's that's what it's for it's for the, it's for the person viewing the show it's mm -hmm. like they know exactly so yeah. piggly wiggly neely's Mill shopping center the great great lunch of course fresh hand cut meats and great produce all cost plus 10 at the register make sure to go check them out today's top story um, wish we hadn't had so much time wasted earlier, but the Florida State Board of Trustees met earlier today to examine their um, their, their their current situation within the Atlantic Coast Conference, and or at least that's what the reports are saying. And it seems they have reason to do so. It, it certainly does, as we mentioned that letter sent by. Uh, Bill Hancock, CEO, executive director of the college football playoffs, to 
the to Senator Rick Scott of Florida, uh, which denoted the ACC as a so-called Power Five conference. Which how did we not see that? I mean, we had the letter in its entirety, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess I just kind of glanced over that, but it's pretty that's, tough. That's that's pretty damning right there. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised no one latched on to that any sooner, to be honest. That's it's pretty it's pretty wild. But anyway, here are the things. Here, here here's what we know. The ACC clearly was not good enough for the undefeated champion to reach the top four of the college football playoff in 2023. 53rd ranked strength of schedule versus everybody else was much, much higher, right? So clearly the, the ACC had its struggles. And, and a big part of that is because, you know, its other best member wasn't very good. It's historically traditional best member of late. At least, yeah, at least of recent memory. Yeah. And so Clemson not being very good drastically hurts the ACC. Also, not having to play Notre Dame, not, you know, that is part of it as well. And so Florida State is once again – as they were before the season, by the way, looking at options. What are their options? I think that's a great question. Because the Big Ten has no room. There's no room in the end. There's just, I mean, not with not with Washington and Oregon being added to make. I think, 18 teams? And, and I think everybody just assumes that it's the Southeastern Conference, but we know what happens when you assume, and I think I don't I think don't there's think, any room at that end either. They, they don't 16. want it. They don't want it. They don't want any more. They're happy with 16. Yeah, I don't think they want any more, and that's not necessarily that they don't want Florida State. I don't think they want anybody. I mean, they're at 16. They don't, they Where don't. are you going to go? And again, nothing else, not, nothing more makes any sense. Well, the only way it makes sense is if it's schools where they don't currently have members, such as Virginia and North Carolina. Schools in states where they no longer have members. Correct. Or don't have members. If they don't have a member in a state, then, then it's a possibility. But even at that, but though, I mean, but they, they've said they've said they don't want. Now, Big Ten has 18. But yeah, and how is that? How's it going to work? How's that going to work? Great question. I don't think it's going to. And so their only other option is the Big 12. Or wait it out and be part of the newly formed Pac 12 in a couple of years. I have found this letter. Second page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that the so-called was necessarily it was the slap no. that I, I think there's some context that's missing from it when you just say Bill Hancock said so-called power five. 
the committee's decision to rank FSU number five in the nation was based on two principal reasons. One, the protocol requires the, comp the committee to take into consideration the unavailability of key players that may affect the team's performance during the postseason. Simply put, Florida State is not the same team without its star quarterback that caused the committee to believe that there were indeed four teams that should rank higher than FSU. Two, FSU's strength of schedule was not as strong as the four teams that were ranked ahead of them, as I'm sure you are aware, you being Rick Scott. Strength of schedule is a key metric the committee takes into consideration. If being undefeated without regard to a team's strength of schedule was part of our protocol, other universities with undefeated records would have been routinely considered for the playoff. There have been eight, counting Florida State, undefeated teams that did not make the playoff. While this is the first year such a team was from a so-called P5 conference, strength of schedule remains a crucial factor. Yeah, no, he wasn't saying that the ACC is not a power. What he was saying <laughs> was that the ACC I, considers itself and is considered a power five conference. I, I just think there's not a den, there's not a den, denotation in the committee's world. In I the just college I just think that that needed cleaning up it because does. when I heard it initially, I'm like, damn, Bill. Okay. <laughs> well, and that's how Florida State folks are taking it, but that's not the case. Well, Florida State folks are taking it that way because they're looking for things to take that sure. way. And here's the thing. I found this letter in at Senator Rick Scott's Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. Breaking, the CFP playoff just responded to my letter with more excuses and still no transparency. They, with nothing but transparency no. and answers in, the, in that letter. Nothing but. Like there's, there's. This is our train of thought. This is our thought process right here. We're not hiding anything. This is the discussion that took place. <laughs> what more do you want? It's 14 paragraphs of nothing but explanation. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and the, the last thing he says, answer our questions. And I'll okay. uh, the, the questions do we need to put them in red with a with an answer under it is that what we need to do here for you what are those um the citations yes, that you put I in mean, your um in your um bibliography. research papers and that kind of thing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a little absurd but it you know. really is and and you know but that kudos said, to bill for for answering but that's why they are considering a move out of the acc which well, you can consider it, but I don't know where you're going. I mean, Big Twelve. Big Twelve is your only option. Now you're going to be. Then you're going to be in a conference with UCF. Mm-hmm. Yo, oh, you, 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 oh, you're, oh, really? Really? So, I don't is, know. Is that what you want? Uh, that's certainly not what they want. Mm-hmm. I think they'd rather go independent, and I think they could. Well, they Oregon State and Washington State. All of a sudden, they got something going. That's what I'm saying. They I mean, give Oregon State and Washington State somebody to play in baseball in a warmer climate. By the way, there's a 30-day clause with the WCC where Oregon State can uh, opt in over the next 30 days to play baseball in the WCC. So I think what they're going to try to do is see if they can make a schedule. Mm -hmm. And if they can't, then WCC, here we WCC go. it is. Yeah. So anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, Brian Rush joins us on Coach's Corner. We'll hand out some hardware as well. So stick around here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bond & Joint. We'll be back in just a moment.
Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao and Maurice Patton here on this Throwback Thursday. And we'll throw it back to Coach David Cutcliffe, who joined us last week to talk about Jeff Ferris up in Austin P, which is in Clarksville, in case you weren't aware. But since we're going to be talking about that, we might as well talk a little preps in Clarksville. No? Absolutely. And... um Joining us now on Coach's Corner is Clarksville Lady Wildcats coach Brian Rush, whose Lady Wildcats are off to a 9-0 and start after defeating crosstown rival Northwest 49-40 on Tuesday night. So, um, I'm sorry, Thursday night, last Thursday. You guys have been off a week, Coach? No, we actually played on Tuesday. We played Clarksville Academy. So um, Okay, so that's what got you to 9-0 and then. So we're keeping ourselves pretty busy. And and staying close to home. There's plenty of opportunities to do that, I guess. So um, right. congrats on this great start. Um, I guess when you've got a 
signee from a SoCal Power Five conference That's under so Ross. Power Five conference. It helps. Um, Imani Berry is um, a nice piece of your puzzle there, I would think. Yeah, Amari, I mean, it's been a great four years with her. I can't believe four years is almost done. But um, to watch her grow and watch her become a leader in this program has really been a lot of fun to watch. So she's 21 points away from her 2,000 points. So that's something she's going to be going for tonight as we're also trying to get a win. Tonight, you guys are at White House, 6 o'clock start in their Christmas classic over there, back over there tomorrow against White House Heritage. Um to round out your pre-Christmas schedule, I guess. Um, other other than Amari's 2000, you know, what what are you looking for out of this team over the next couple of nights before y'all go into the holidays? Well, you know, we start off the season. There's we get two weeks before we get started, so you kind of start putting the ship together as the season goes. And you get um, once you hit the holidays, you get a chance to get the kids out of school. And we get a little extra practice in. And I, I think we get to start really, you know, shaping things up, making sure we've got the offenses we want, the defenses we want. And we've just been dealing with the flu in our program right now. So uh, we had three starters out um, the other day, um, Tuesday against Clarksville Academy. I think I'm getting one of them back tonight. So, you know, we're getting lots of kids. They're getting lots of chances to play right now. And that's great for building depth, you know, as you start preparing for January and then February. Yeah, obviously January and February is is kind of crunch time, and you want to have as you know as many players uh, being able to come off the bench and give you meaningful minutes uh, as you can as the season wears on and as you get closer to a trip to the glass house. And so, you know, when you look at this team, obviously Amari's the straw that stirs the drink, but you've got a lot of role players who who really fill out this this team. And, and have found ways to, to make you guys successful. Who are some of those players that, would, that, that, that folks should be paying attention to? Well, I mean, we're blessed to have six seniors who are all great kids. Um, we have uh, Ella Moore, who's our post player. Uh, she's been um, a district, all district player. She's also a volleyball player. And Ella Music's our other post player. And so they give us real good strength in the paint. And then we have Olivia Luce, um, who, whose family is well known up in Clarksville, uh, and Emma Young, who's also a strong post. And then we look at our younger kids. I've got a junior in um, Milan Smith who can attack the rim and score at will. And so she's kind of been a nice dual threat in our scoring attack this year. And we have two sophomores who uh, didn't start for us last year, but we're in our top seven. And they've really come on this year, uh, Kira Geringer and Allie Howard. And they both benefited from playing volleyball this year. Uh, Kier ended up being the player of the year in our area. So, you know, just that experience. We've got a lot of dual sport athletes. And um, I think that experience, you know, off the basketball court really helps our team gel together on the court. We like those multi-sport athletes, Coach. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that experience and that success in other sports a lot of times tends to kind of carry over, particularly if it's into a sport where they've not necessarily had success, just the confidence that you bring out of, you know, playing in a key role and, and doing well can be beneficial. And I'm, I guess that's what you've seen with those two sophomores. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we always talk to the kids about the jump. You know, when they come from eighth grade, we say, you know, everything's a little faster when you go to JV. And then, you know, when you go from JV to varsity, the game gets a little faster. And these two had to make the jump from 
you know, eighth grade right into the varsity program last year. And so it was really a trial by fire with them and they really responded well. So, you know, getting them back this year, it's like I have two sophomores that really have junior level experience. Coach, you know, this is a program who has seen a lot of success recently. How much of that carries over? Obviously, you know, your teams have have found themselves in the state tournament four over the last four times over the last what 13 14 years you know it means something to you know to to be that group that continues the 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 tradition and nobody wants to be the group that doesn't so how much of an impact does that have motivation wise I think it has a lot. I think, you know, the kids in, in all of our sports, you know, you want to figure out a way to leave your mark. And, you know, I think all of our coaches talk about that here at CHS is, you know, what's your legacy? And, you know, we've been blessed to have a lot of our programs have a lot of success. And, you know, we've gotten to the state level and, you know, some of our sports have been able to win state titles. But I think, you know, that's really a big motivating factor for our kids is that legacy that you leave behind. Um, and like you said, you know, you no one wants to be part of that group that doesn't make it. Coach, um, folks whose knowledge of girls basketball goes back more than five, six years, remember Bashar Graves and, and that group of seniors that you had up there, as Chris recalls, state tournament appearances and that kind of thing. Um, not just Bashara, but, but some of the players alongside her, obviously, I guess she was the quote, biggest name going up to, uh, to UT, but great group of players around those teams over those, you know, right there around 2011, 2012 through there, kind of had a fall off after that, as I guess would be expected. How do you sustain things and, you know, just keep things moving in the right direction to kind of get back to this? That may be the funnest part of coaching right there is, you know, that year that Bashar groups graduated, we had seven kids off that team go play college ball. Um, five of them got an opportunity to play at the D1 level and two got ju JUCO offers. And so when we came back the next year uh, through attrition of that and then a couple of kids moving, we had one kid out of our top 13 that returned. And, you know, so you went from, you know, winning games, you know, where you were, the question was whether you were going to get to a running clock or not to realizing that as a group, we weren't going to score more than 30 points. So we had to figure out how to hold teams down to that level of points as well. And at the same time, Coach, I imagine when you've only got one of your top 13 back and you're going from whether or not you're going to win by a running clock to playing teams that you've been beaten by running clocks and all of a sudden, you know, they've got the whip handle now and you're, you're kind of dealing with that as well, I would think. You do. And, you know, I can remember having those conversations with those kids of, you know, you're at halftime. You're like, don't think they're going to take it easy on you. You know, the last four years we were the team on top and they're, you know, they're the team on top now. And so if you we're going to have to fight, we're going to have to fight for everything we get. And I think, you know, being in those battles, it, it strengthens those kids. And we were lucky to bring in a group of young freshmen. And, you know, within four years, we were back at the state tournament. Um, with a really fun group to coach. And then, you know, they graduated and then we had to start rebuilding again. It's taken us a couple of years to get back. Um, but we've had good success along the way. I think we've been knocking at the door. And so last year we finally got into the state tournament 
And I'm hoping that gives us some great experience. You know, I think our goal this year is to obviously get back and see if we can do a little bit more than we did last year. That's interesting because, you know, you just mentioned you have six seniors on this on this group. So how do you how how do you try to avoid having to go through those rebuilding years while also getting the most out of your seniors this year by getting those younger players, those those underclassmen, you know, enough playing time so that, you know, next year is less of a rebuilding year, but more retooling. Right. This year is completely different because our younger kids are contributing in big ways. Um, you know, Milan's been a two-year starter, um, and Kiera's starting this year for us, and Allie's the first one off the bench. And the second one off the bench is another sophomore in Shakia Vance. So those kids are already getting, you know, they're in your seven or eight-man rotation every night. And especially over Christmas right now, this turn, these tournaments that we're playing in, we're, we've pulled four freshmen up, and we're getting them in the game. So they got a lot of playing time, especially with three starters out. They got to play a lot the mm -hmm. other night against Clarksville Academy, and they're going to get that opportunity today and tomorrow. And so, you know, that helps replenish the program. So I think next year we won't really be looking at a rebuild. We're just kind of a reloading and, you know, reconfiguring where our strengths are going to be. Yeah, that's not, it's not easy to do as you've seen over the years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Rush, girls basketball coach at Clarksville High School, joining us here on Coach's Corner on Middle, on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. There's a lot. Sorry. Um, Brian, You've again, you had Bashara, uh, you've had you've sent kids on to the next level and to the highest levels of the next level. Talk about Amari to those who have not had a chance to see her. Oh, man, she's a special player. You know, I was lucky to be able to coach uh, Bashara because she was special in all of her own ways. And same with Amari. You know, the thing that they both bring is they love to practice. They both absolutely love practice as much as they love the games. And, you know, that's really helpful when you come into the gym and your star players are the ones that are ready to go. And then Amari is, um, she loves to compete, compete at anything, you know, so any drill we do, if we make it a competition, she's all in. And, you know, that's, we feed off that and our kids become super competitive and our drills are set up as such. And so, you know, it's something that she brings and she's, she just enjoys the game and she enjoys life. So she has fun every day, you know, so you come to practice and there's a smile on her face and she's ready to go. And so whether the coaches or other players come in, you know, from a long day, you should, her, her joy of the game is just so infectious and it just picks everybody up. And she's been a great leader in that for the past couple of years. I had a coach tell me once and it just really resonated with me. And, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this as a veteran coach when your best player is your hardest worker it really makes everything a whole lot easier it does i don't think people understand in the world of sports how hard that is to achieve um you know a lot of times your hardest workers are the ones that are sitting on the bench you know and as a coach you have to grapple with that sometimes uh but marge is one of those special people and you know she will outwork everybody every single day and bashar was the same way you know, it was, you know, I can remember with Bashara, I had to do kind of what the Bulls used to do with Michael Jordan, which was, you know, we go four and four, five and five, and I have to give her three JV players to play against the rest of the starters just to make it fair. And, you know, we do the same thing with Amari. And Amari gets out on the court, and Amari's not looking to score. She's looking to figure out how to get her teammates to score and take them at the level they're at and provide to give them the ball and an opportunity for them to be successful. 
you ever watch her in a game when um, she's sitting down, you know, if we've got a big lead, she's had a chance to sit down. She's our biggest cheerleader. She is jumping up and down and she's helping the, you know, the ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th players, you know, get their shots up, you know, and, and make those shots. So we had a post player the other night, catch the ball up at the three point line, you know, as a coach, you're thinking, all right, I need you to drive or swing the ball. And of course, Amari's in the background yelling, shoot it, shoot it, you know, but truly just wanting them to succeed and have fun. And, you know, so she becomes her biggest cheerleader. And I think that just kind of rubs off. And then when she's in the game, they're doing the same for her. Uh, they're her biggest cheerleader and they're rooting her on as you know, she does her thing. Makes for great chemistry. I would imagine it does. Brian Rush, Clarksville girls basketball coach here with us on main street sports today, coach. Congratulations on a great start to a season. Obviously got a big game tonight and tomorrow. And then you come back after Christmas as you go to Stewart County for a couple before the new year. So, uh, Enjoy the Christmas break, and we appreciate you taking some time with us today and look forward to talking with you again and seeing you out on the court. Well, thanks for having me on, and you guys have a Merry Christmas. Thanks, Coach. You too. All right. Let's hand out a little hardware, Mo, as we have the End to Win Life Team of the Week presented by our friends at Custom Stone Handlers, which, of course, Outside the military, the leader, greatest leader building platform is sports and custom stone handler. Proudly encourages young people to get in the game. 931-490-4990 is the number to call customstonehandlers.com. A little we, we got a we 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 got a little malleable with team of the week on this one. Well, you know, this is the time of year where schedules really get a little wonky. Wonky is a good word. This week's Team of the Week, which covers the week of December 11th through the 17th. This team only played once during that time frame, but it was a big win. It was. Um, because anytime a boys basketball team in this area beats Fayetteville, it's a big deal. And that's Chris Murdoch likes to hear that. Yeah, well, <laughs> he doesn't like to hear that they got beat, but he likes to hear that, that it's, it's a, a big, big deal, deal when they do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's what Columbia Academy did. Um, Last Friday night over at the Anderson Fieldhouse, defeated the Tigers 61-44. It was their only win of the week, but it was their fourth straight victory. And they've since followed it up with another couple. So the Columbia Academy Bulldogs and that guy right there. Group? Is that Griff? 21? Yeah, yeah, that's Griff. Uh, with the with the twists. It's a kind of different look for him. Yeah, I almost thought it was Jeremy, but then I saw the two, and I'm like, "Well, that's not Jeremy Jackson." <laughs> the Columbia Academy Bulldogs are our into win life team of the week this week, and they will be on the floor tonight in Benton, Kentucky, at Marshall County High School against McCracken County. We won't be there. We will not be there. I don't think we, we can make it. No, we were in McEwen Tuesday night, but we will not be here. Sorry. We won't be in Marshall County, Kentucky. T- Tennessee, or Kentucky. No, <laughs> certainly not Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Well, how about our Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Athlete of the Week? Our Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Athlete of the Week averaged a double-double in a pair of victories last week. Um, Grayson Burleson, the junior out of Summertown High School, um, averaged 32.5 points, 10 boards, 5 assists, in a pair of Summertown victories, went 34-11-5 and five 
over at Murfreesboro Central on December 11th. So it's a good day. That that's a good day, and he had another good day in their other victory last week. But yeah, he um, you know, when he and Kurt both get going down there, they they are they are tough to handle, and there, there's always a Burleson in summertime. Never not. Yeah. So yeah, it is it is wild. How, how there has not been I feel like there hadn't been an athletic team an athletics team down there without one for since I don't know. Ever. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah. Summertown's Grayson Burleson is our mid Tennessee Bone and Joint Athlete of the Week. Congratulations to him and again to Columbia Academy's boys as well. That's correct. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk fair or foul recruiting. Come back with us. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtvj.net.
Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, time now for a new idea uh, to some degree. <laughs> this is what I'm calling fair or foul. I'm going to give you a scenario or a couple scenarios. We'll decide whether it's fair play or no, nah, foul ball. So, scenario number one. Mm -hmm. A player at Oklahoma University chose to go into the transfer portal. And that is not a new thing. That's, that's, that's <laughs> no, no, it's pretty not. regular these days. It's not even new to Oklahoma. No, no. it's Oklahoma fans, however, not happy. In fact, so unhappy that many of them took to Google where they searched up the player's dad's state farm agency and proceeded to leave one-star reviews for his state farm agency. And my question to you is fair or foul? I don't think there's any question that that's foul. I mean, that's... It's foul, it's weak, it's, I mean, any negative you can come up with for that, it meets. And that's, it's amazing to me how childish adults act over this stuff. Yeah, I, I would agree with, with that. It, it, doesn't make any sense when i mean this is this this is and you don't mind taking a kid as a transfer but you're gonna kill a kid and his family for leaving i don't get it yeah You know, the, that door swings both ways, period. Right. And I think that's the thing. I mean, uh, a bunch of one-star reviews with nothing written, just one-star reviews. Uh, Reginald Green, the dad, responded mm -hmm. to each of them, stop it. Don't do this because my son chose to enter the transfer portal in football. You live in Oklahoma and have never done business with my office. This is a really bad look for the Oklahoma fan base. Be better. Yeah. So anyway, just going to throw that out there. That's pretty Bush League. It's terribly Bush League. Uh, Caden Green, by the way, chose Oklahoma. I'm sorry, chose Missouri from Oklahoma. Speaking of. Speaking of Missouri, during early signing day yesterday, Missouri signed a couple of players out of the state of Arkansas. In fact, not just a couple of players, the number one and number two prospects out of the state. And so what did Missouri do? Well, exactly what you would think they should do <laughs> to their rival. They just bought some billboards in the state of Arkansas to 
congratulate those players on their signing a Division I football scholarship that just so happened to also be with Missouri. Missouri. Uh, I like it. My question to you is fair or foul? Oh, that's that's fair, and that's trolling at the highest level, and I'm here for it. That's awesome. I think it's great. I I absolutely think it's great. I think that uh, you got to give these kids, uh, you know, Give them some love, but also like this is hilarious. Like, oh. th- and, and this is this is good rivalry, right? Like, this is exactly what. Our oh yeah, I mean, they be. wouldn't have necessarily done that. Well, they wouldn't have necessarily done that in Illinois. For football, they wouldn't have necessarily done it in Kansas, but Arkansas, Missouri football—that's that's probably Missouri's biggest football rivalry, and it's in conference. So, yeah, it makes all sorts of sense. They also threw one up in Middle Tennessee for Jaron Sensabaugh, who had a UT offer out of Nashville. Where is Sensabaugh from? Hmm. Uh, Innsworth. Oh, okay. So, well, you know. Yeah. Good for – but, I mean, it it appears that they may be doing this everywhere. That they got a – Okay. Everywhere that they that they that could, they got a kid from. Yeah, but yeah, this is hilarious. Courtney Crutchfield from Pine Bluff, and Austin Dindy from Pine Bluff get Oof. billboards. Oof. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, you know, the same thing to make that make you laugh will make you cry. I mean, if there Arkansas go. goes up to Missouri and pulls somebody, then. Don't be surprised when you get to just see a billboard with nothing on it but a big old Razorback. <laughs> Do you? I don't remember what it. I don't remember what this billboard said. But in Monroe, Louisiana, for a while, there was a billboard with the score of the Alabama game for a good while. Well, why would you put it up in Monroe though? Why wouldn't you put it up in Tuscaloosa? <laughs> I think they were trying to recruit people to come to the games. I don't know. Hey, we beat Alabama. <laughs> I, I don't know. You might not want to remind Alabama no. of that too much because because no, um, that comeuppance will not be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We can play, we can do this again if y'all want to. <laughs> we'll even pay you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man, but yeah. So all right, Beerly Carey. At Beerly Carey, host of Beerly Football, Beerly. with his 662 followers on Twitter. Okay, not not you know. Stop referring to your favorite team as we. You are not on the team. Fair or foul? That's pretty foul to me. I mean, his comment is foul. You yeah. think he's wrong? Oh yeah, yes, yes. His his comment is foul. He's wrong. Uh, we, uh, I think fans are entitled to refer to their team as we. I think it's okay. I agree. And here's why: every dollar I spend as a fan directly impacts that organization. Mm-hmm. Maybe not dollar for dollar, but they get something out of it. Right. Yeah, it directly impacts the organization. Yeah, it may not be dollar for dollar, but it impacts them in some way. And as 
Big Orange Mac says, mm-hmm. everybody has their job to do on game day. Coaches, players, managers, cheerleaders, the band, the fans, even the people in the concession stands. We're all part of the big machine that helps get the win. I, I, I like what he says here. I think yep. this, this, makes, this makes a good point. I, I think that you know, just because you're not on the team doesn't entitle it doesn't mean that you can't say we. Uh, I was kind of on that bandwagon for a little bit until I got to thinking about it really hard. And so we put our effort in. There's a lot of effort that mm-hmm. goes into to being a fan. And, and again, you don't have sports without fans. Period. If nobody's watching, as the commercial will tell you, then it's just a practice. <laughs> yeah. Or a scrimmage. Sorry, scrimmage. it's a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without fans, it's just a scrimmage. Without an audience, it's just a rehearsal. I just don't understand why anybody even feels the need to say that. This is a thing. I mean, people, uh, Cole Kublik is among those who thinks that you shouldn't say we. Why? What's, who's it hurting? Uh, we what did you do well i directly impacted the program when i bought this jersey behind me or when i bought this helmet right here i directly impacted the the the, the university in some way i come back to who's it hurting by associating myself with the team yeah i i it, it doesn't okay so therefore we Weak. Weak it is. That foul is foul. It is. Yeah. All right. So there's fair or foul. <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how often that pops up. <laughs> a recurring segment. Yeah. Not necessarily a regular. Yeah. Segment. Yes. There yes. you go. Yes. Let them wear the jersey. That's right. I don't know. God, okay. So I don't mind the jerseys. I don't love wearing jerseys with the with another with a player's name on it i'd rather have either my name on it or no name because mm-hmm. i support that because i had this discussion with somebody the other day mm-hmm. i support the team it was rick Schroeder. Mm-hmm. i support the team i don't support the player i support the player while they're on the team but i got a kenny lofton jersey did i was for, i a kenny, one year was i a kenny lofton fan when he was in cleveland no I wanted to beat were, his butt to win a ring. Were you a were you a Kenny Lofton fan after he left? No. no. So, but you know, I, now I bought that at a thrift store, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, it popped some tags. <laughs> I did, but yeah, I mean, I'm players leaving the team that I choose to root for. It doesn't that doesn't change my fandom unless it's Peyton Manning in the NFL before I got here. You grew out of that phase, huh? Well, I mean, I just didn't have a rooting interest. Mm -hmm. My rooting interest was Peyton. That was it. So now I have a rooting interest. Now I care about the Titans. Yeah, I think think your pre-Titans investment was, I think that was more the exception than the norm for most fans. And so, yeah, if you want to wear the jersey, wear the jersey. I don't care. It's not hurting me. Let's take a break. Terry McCormick on the other side. Stick around. Be 
Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Welcome back now to the Titans Daily Report. And we would ask Terry to read the injury report, but that would take up his entire segment. So give us the highlights, huh? All right. Well, it is your <laughs> Zen Sports Titans Report, and it's kind of your Zen Sports Injury Report today, guys. Uh, Eleven guys didn't practice at all uh, today or were not out there in the open part of practice and some key guys in that, Will Levis, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, several guys, you know, that uh, are obviously are key parts of this team. And then you also didn't have a bunch of guys out there at the start that were limited guys getting their normal rest days like Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Danico Autry. Uh, the scary thing to me about this game Sunday is not only might you not have your starting quarterback and granted you're in pretty good hands if you've got to play Ryan Tannehill on Sunday but a pass rush that might or a run defense that might and pass rush that does may not have Jeffrey Simmons and obviously doesn't have Tier Tart because he was released and then you're talking about a secondary that could be playing guys like Trey Avery, Eric Gare, Terrell Edmonds, you know, all kinds of starters missing from the secondary right now. So you think about that and, you know, the thought of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba running free against that secondary with no pass rush to help them out is a pretty scary thought. Yeah, no doubt. It is scary, in fact, and, you know, you, you just got to hope that Danico Autry and Harold Landry are able to get on the field, and if not, well, maybe you don't have a chance to win no matter who's the quarterback. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably their best chance is for guys like Landry and Autry and Arden Key to have a big day rushing the passer to help cover for the secondary. Otherwise, it could be a very long day for the Titans. Uh, you know, this, this is not a team built to get into a track meet, and uh, certainly the Seahawks uh, have some weapons, especially when they go to that 11 personnel and play three receivers. No doubt. All right. It'll be interesting, too, because in terms of the, you know, when you're talking about going after the quarterback, it sounds like Geno Smith's going to give it a go. He had that groin injury, so you do kind of wonder about his mobility, so maybe that's an edge for the Titans. Well, anytime QB1 takes the field, it's an edge for the Titans. So we'll see how it goes because they've not fared well against backups as we – No, they have not. I mean, I, I, wish I, I wish I had kept the list over the years of guys that they had lost to, you know, backup quarterbacks. I mean, you know, look, it happens occasionally when you go against the 
Chase Daniels and Tyrod Taylors of the world, but they've lost games to Craig Krenzel and Todd Bauman. So there you go. I think they did manage to beat Spurgeon Wynn, though. Jeez. Managed to. <laughs> yes. Goodness gracious. Terry, tell us about Zen Sports. All righty. Guys, the Thursday night game is up on us. And in Zen Sports, you can make your first $50 straight bet on the game. And if the bet loses, you will receive a $25 no-danger wager for Saturday's games. That's right, on Zen Sports. Here's more about what you can get from Zen Sports. The new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no-danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports Play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. This holiday season, the largest lantern festival in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. Witness more than 1,000 handcrafted Chinese lanterns featuring brand new designs, including towering mythical beasts, a life-sized Santa's workshop, and a 100-foot-long dragon. Welcome back to Zoo Illumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, Justin, but that was a heck of a promo considering that the last guy in the promo is our next guest. So what a segue it is. Absolutely. <laughs> makes it easy to bring SEC assistant commissioner, former Duke football coach, David Cutcliffe into Main Street Sports today. Coach, welcome back. How's it going? Well, good. I've been listening uh, to the previous segment. I'm looking at the stuff behind you. I'm catching an orange and white jersey with manning on the back put me in a good mood appreciate that and then uh derrick mason is a good friend and uh someone that i think very highly of he and his wife both will bring a lot of uh 
energy and genuineness uh, to Murfreesboro. Uh, no question about that, as will who we're on to talk about, uh, Jeff Ferris uh, to Clarksville. Tell us more, Coach, about Jeff Ferris, the new Austin P coach, because he was um, he was with you during your time over at Duke. Yeah, he. Um, I, I knew Jeff family when I was in Knoxville. They became good friends, and Jeff was a really good high school football player that was probably headed to Harvard when I got the job at Duke, and a great student, great person. And I immediately recruited him to come to Duke. Uh, I knew he would make us better on and off the field, which, which he did. Um, and it's amazing uh, to to watch what he did. I can tell you the kind of, yeah, you know, he, I didn't know what Jeff exactly wanted to do. He had the intellect to do anything he wanted to do. Then he told me right off the bat, he said, Coach, I want to sit, even though I may play defense or offense or receiver. He said, I'd really like to sit in the quarterback meetings and learn football, listening to you talking about that position and talking about defense and I said, sure. So as a player, he basically ran our scout team defense because he knew what we were trying to get looks at at quarterback. He was back there in the secondary doing that. Um, did some things in the kicking game for us as a player, but in three years, he was he was graduated from Duke with a perfect GPA. And I mean, I'm telling you, smart. He makes me really dumb, okay? And uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's brilliant. Then he got another degree the next year. It was in economics, I think, his degree. Mm -hmm. And then he got a master's in economics. And then I hired him as a GA. I wasn't going to let Jeff leave. So he was a graduate assistant for us and went to graduate school in divinity. Now I'm even feeling worse. I'm like, hey, I'm the real blue devil. You know, maybe I'm the, the black devil. And Jeff goes to divinity school and does great. And then at 24 years old, I made him the youngest assistant position coach in the Power Five. He, at, at different times, coached receivers for us, coached tight ends, coached quarterbacks, coached part of special teams. And, and Jeff and I used to talk a lot about this. I would get young people asking me young coaches coach how can i become a head coach well you, you don't become one uh you you have to be one from the get-go you ha you have to understand that you should be the best football coach on the staff meaning no offense defense line play special teams secondary you got to have a, a thirst for it well i told jeff that when he was a freshman talking to me about coaching I would come into the office and he would be sitting in John Latina's office, our offensive line coach, learning offensive line play. Um, so I think people are, that are listening to this are understanding who Jeff Ferris is. And um, I had, when he was a GA, I had a coach on our staff, Sonny Lubick's son, Matt Lubick, who I love dearly. Matt was a great organized recruiter and signed a lot of players for us from California from just about everywhere and Jeff sat with him and talked recruiting every day and so he quickly became the best recruiter on our staff he is tireless he's got great energy but I started this by comparing he and Derek Mason 
He's genuine. He is a great person. His wife, Natalie, is a great person. I, I feel like a grandfather everywhere because all of our young coaches all got married and had children through, throughout our career. Uh, through 20 years at Ole Miss and Duke. Um, and, and just, I, I love every minute of watching Jeff grow. And so when I was asked about him, I said, I don't know what your, your, your needs are in your mind. You know that, I don't. Jeff Ferris already is a head coach. He just doesn't hold the position. So I'm excited. He won't even hardly answer my text, which makes me smile because I know he's 900 miles an hour. I got one at 1 a.m. this morning, which is appropriate uh, for him. And uh, But he knows, you know, I'm here for him anytime, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens to already a program that's really been on the rise and taken other good steps under Gerald Harrison's care. Um, so I, I'm really excited for the people that are around Austin P in the great town of Clarksville. And by the way, prayers there. Uh, I know a lot of people that suffered a lot of loss uh, there in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, prayer for all you guys in Middle Tennessee. That was frightening. Well, Coach, we appreciate that. And and I know you go way back with Clarksville, um, one of the greatest offensive linemen ever to play at the University of Tennessee, Harry Galbraith from Clarksville. But um, you mentioned Gerald Harrison. He, you and he were at Duke at the same time as well, and I figured that that might have had something to do with this. Well, he got introduced to Jeff that way. I brought Gerald from Tennessee to Duke, and, um, you know, I think it was an opportunity. Gerald was, you know, looked at in a, a way I think at Tennessee was a little different. He came in and got an assistant athletic director's position, um, just took off from there after Kevin White saw him, I don't know, a year and a half or two years over there with us. He snatched him from me into the mainstream of senior associates. And uh, he, he, he went from there. And Gerald is a superstar in himself with a great work ethic. But uh, yeah, that exposed him to Jeff. I mean, you, you, when y'all are around him and you spend time with him, you're going to see what I'm talking about. He's, he's a great, person but he, he's eloquent he can speak you know you got to slow him down sometime i say jeff we're in the south man you know his parents are both from boston so i said hey you know we can't calculate that many words a minute okay we're southerners down here so i i slow him down every now and then but uh just i i kind of knew from the get-go that that there was something special there Coach David Cookler joining us here on Main Street Sports today, talking a little bit about new Austin P football coach Jeff Ferris. And, you know, Coach, you mentioned it. We, we've got a, a great contingent of uh, football coaches in Middle Tennessee at the collegiate level right now with Derek and, and Jeff coming on board. Just feels like this is a really good time for Middle Tennessee. And, and you know, when you talk about taking that next step, this is this is obviously a program that has, like you said, been on the rise. But Jeff gives them the ability to continue doing that through, you know, the game being an offensive game right now, it feels like. Yeah. When when you are are trying to be 
at that highest level of the FCS, it feels like it's a quarterback driven game. How does, how does Jeff play into that? You know, he just got a massive quarterback recruit from East Carolina, uh, a transfer. It's already paying dividends. This is, this is going to be a big step for, for Austin P and for Jeff. It feels like this is not his end game. Yeah. I had him coach Riley Leonard when Riley came in and, uh, uh, Riley just made them incredible jumps in progress and, you know, it got him, got him ready. And Jeff's got a great reputation already offensively. And those kids are going to know that. But what, what I talked with Jeff about is at the FCS level, sure, you're going to lose some people occasionally to the portal to get lured to the FBS or even a power five level. But you got a program there at Austin P, and you get the right people instilled in the right spots, and you build around it. But he knows how to develop a program. That that's what we had to do at Duke. It was not instant success. You you and you got a chance to develop some greatness there, um, in every position. And I know he's carefully going through his staff to to know that he's got to have coaches that win every day. And Jeff's got one thing on his mind, and that, that'd be national championship. And why wouldn't you think that you're a, you're in a playoff-driven league? Um, and, you know, that, that's what he's going to strive to do and build. But you surround yourself with winners. You surround yourself with people that have those same focused goals. I don't know if I like the word goals. Uh, sometimes that just – I just think daily habits uh, are champions. Uh, that's where you see the difference. And so whether it's a, a Peyton Manning, a Eli Manning, a, you know, all these guys, he's shooter to speak of some, and then of course, Daniel Jones and Riley. It's Jeff understands daily habits. He's got him himself as a coach and he will have those players understanding that their practices will be fun to watch. I can promise you that. And coach, you know, you, you're familiar with the talent level that will be at Jeff's disposal just out his backyard. I mean, middle Tennessee talent has exploded here over the last 10 to 15 years. It's going to be a lot easier for him to continue that rise for Austin P from a recruiting standpoint than maybe it has been for, for previous coaches up there. Well, I, I certainly hope so and believe that, you know, I hammered the doors of, uh, Nashville starting back in 1982, and as the city and the area erupted, uh, so did high school football. Uh, you know, we, we, we've come a million miles since that time when I was working for Coach Majors. But every player that I ended up signing out of Nashville ended up being really good football players for us in Tennessee. And then later I signed some at Ole Miss that were extremely important to our success. Uh, and what I, I'll give you one, I'm, I'm getting ready to do a thing on Patrick Willis from Brewston, not all mm-hmm. that far from you guys. And Patrick, you know, in this day and age of stars was a, I think a three-star guy after we, we offered him, but you find those guys in camps, uh, you work hard, you turn every stone, you develop, and Jeff will develop great relationships with the high school coaches. 
And then you start learning those coaches when they say, hey, I got one. And you know that one knows what he's talking about. And you find those guys. And nobody knew Patrick Willis's name as a freshman until he covered a kickoff in Oxford against Alabama. And on the, about the 12-yard line, a guy caught the ball on the goal line, brought it out, his mistake. And Patrick <laughs> separated his body and the ball, and they're still hunting body parts on that return, man, on the square in Oxford, Mississippi. So, yeah, everybody knew Patrick's name then. Um, and he was freshman All-American. But you can find those guys. And I've talked to Jeff about that. I said, you know, hit the road, man. You know, get your coaches out there. Win every day. And and he'll have that, that opportunity. And I don't know. I can't keep up with him. I don't know anybody that can. I, I think I could have in my youth, but I, I, I had to say, Jeff, slow down. We're not going to twelve schools today, okay? You know, <laughs> um, but but he he will take advantage of that opportunity. And I'm a I'm a big fan of Tennessee high school football. And uh, you know, you mentioned coaches. I'll mention Clark Lee, who's become a friend in my role. Mm-hmm in the SEC, and I coached against Clark when he was a defensive coordinator. What a terrific football coach. And it may not look like it to people the way this season went, but people don't understand. Saturdays is not the only time you measure a coach. There are a lot of things that can occur that affect outcomes on a Saturday. But I go to Vanderbilt for campus visits, and I see all those folks up there winning every day, every day. I, I see the same thing up uh, in Knoxville. So you do have some outstanding football coaches, you know, in the state. But right there in Middle Tennessee, that's some really good football coaches, as well as the collegiate. You also have them in the high school level. So no. uh, I'm excited for Austin P, and I'm certainly excited for Jeff Ferris. No question. You mentioned your uh, role in the SEC, and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you how much how much of a role you played in the schedule. Uh, obviously, you know, last night it was released. We know that you you were the one who put Florida and Alabama back to back for Tennessee. Weren't you? <laughs> no, I, I stay away from that. There's a company that we've hired, and they've done an amazing job. The people that stay in the midst of that uh, scheduling. But the balance of that schedule over a 10-year span is scary balanced. There's just not much leeway. And you know what? what? My wife looked at it, and she said, this is crazy. And I said, wait a minute. Everybody get used to this because records are going to change. You can't have a league like that. Look at the NFL. Who won the Super Bowl a year ago? The Chiefs. They don't have a lot of different people, but how many losses do they have right now? Four. Um, there's going to be two and three and four loss teams that are darn good football teams. Yeah, there's no um, question. You're right, because it's easy to be balanced when everybody's good. Well, and you look at the, the, the schedules, each one, you know, because you can pick any of them and think, dang, man, that's challenging. And I looked at it as a coach. Some of them, I'm wondering how I could sleep all summer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and that does, that keeps you up. You start your summer scout reports. You get your staff working on it, and um, and then you do your own studies. That's kind of what I did during my vacation. And 
Lord, that can get heavy in the summer, let alone at, at least just one week at a time in the in the fall. You can't think ahead. But, man, when you're looking ahead, it's frightening. Coach David Cochliffe joining us here on Main Street Sports Today. Coach, we appreciate your time so much today. Thanks for enlightening us on Jeff Ferris. We are very excited to have him here in Middle Tennessee and at Austin P. We know he's going to do great things. Yeah, just don't put my picture and Jeff's picture together up there anymore because, man, does he make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we know how you feel. We know how you feel. I got it. All right, guys. Take Thanks, care. Coach. Main men on Main Street. That's what Thank you, Coach. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint Live again after Throwback Thursday, throwing it back to that interview we had last week with David Cutcliffe about Jeff Ferris up at Austin P. And always a good time to get Coach Cut on. So I would have him on every week if we could. Yeah, he, he is, he's fantastic. Uh, he'd get tired of us, but it would be fun while it was. Story time with Coach Cut would be uh, 
it would be fantastic. I mean, that story about Patrick Willis was yeah. as good as anything we we yeah got. So yeah, he's, always he's fantastic. Good. And again, I think I said it after the segment last week. The best thing about him is that's him. Yep. Every Wherever time. you run up on him, so love Coach Cut. So we'll go from Coach Cut and talking. American football to <laughs> the other football, yep. football with Valer Shabilla, Valer Shabilla, sorry. Uh, and, and this is going to be an interesting segment because it really is. Despite the MLS season being in its off season, there is no off season. There's plenty to talk about <laughs> in the world of soccer. Valer, welcome in. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here with the main man on Main Street. As heard. <laughs> we need that to catch on. We, we <laughs> that too. Yeah, that might need to be a hashtag or something. Yeah, um, yeah thank there you. you go. Feel free to push that out there, Valerie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my best. But, hey, but, but you're right. There's no offseason. I mean, I, thought, I, I was getting excited after that last match. I was like, oh, I'm going to do so much stuff. And then it's just been, it's been the same. <laughs> just not going to Georgia's Park. That's the only difference. What what was insane to me, Valer, and as we've discussed on various other times when we've had you on, I'm not a huge soccer fan, and clearly I'm not as familiar with the soccer talent in this area as I should be, because I would have never thought that the number one draft pick in MLS mm -hmm. would have come from this area. Yeah, and, and it's actually number eight as well. So number one, number eight, both came from Luscombe. Um, and uh, both Spicer and Jones uh, are, um, well, for Jones specifically, who was the number eight pick, he, he played in a local club as well here in Middle Tennessee before even going to Lipscomb. So He also both, played at Grace Christian Academy out in Franklin. Is that right? Possibly. I'm not sure, actually, uh, but... Um, he, he did play for National United Soccer Academy as well, but that's his club team, not school, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and for, for Spicer, he's a guy from Trinidad who came in, you know, for education as well as soccer, of course, to Lipscomb. Um, and, you know, the program there with uh, Coach Morrow, he's, he's done a great job in Lipscomb. Uh, it's a program that wasn't really known for soccer, really, um, but but he's he's – He's turned it around, and the school clearly cares about the program. You look at the improvements in the facilities they've made there. Uh, they have a really nice, um, really nice uh, soccer um, field there, and and even the stands are are pretty cool. And I've I've been to it in the last few years, and you know the, after their sort of renovations and all that, it, it looks much nicer, and it's it's just it, it shows that they care, and with good coaching, good facility. And of course, just overall, the general interest for the game of soccer has grown um, in the United States, but specifically here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, I, th I think that that does trickle down to finding these draft picks, uh, high draft picks from from local kids, which is which is pretty awesome to see, honestly. And um, you know, Lipscomb men's and women's um, soccer has been has been one of the best throughout Middle Tennessee for the past few years now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's impressive to to see that you know we we've talked about the the level of high school football players in this area over the last decade has improved 
drastically. And it's not just football, though, just the level of athlete in general in all kinds of sports has has increased just ridiculously as people have, you know, the influx of people have moved into the mid-state. So it's just really cool to have that connection. Like, wow, number one and two top ten picks? That's absurd. And I think also there was a kid drafted out of Clemson who is from Fairview. Yes, yes. So uh, Parrish, Parrish's last name. Um, yeah, he, he, he did play, um, high school soccer here in middle Tennessee as well. Um, and he, I believe won national championship with, with Clemson last year, if I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was, he went in the second round as well. Um, and, and he was able to, um, get get drafted as well. And it, it, it is, it is, it is interesting to look at all these kids who I, I honestly think a lot of this has to do with Nashville SC, but also just overall. Especially in Williamson County, I think there was a, there's been a lot of soccer, um, a lot of people caring about soccer more. And then now we see it in sort of these areas around Nashville, uh, whether it's, um, you know, even if it's the school programs, high school, middle school, the level of soccer compared to when I went to John Overton High School and kind of the soccer that I watched. I never played because I'm not that good, but but I, I was friends with all the guys. Right. And I would watch them and the level of those high school games and those college games have just gone tremendously higher up just, just in the, in, in eye test, you know, uh, obviously it still takes a lot and, and Nashville is not known as a hotbed for soccer talent or anything like that compared to some areas in the country, like Dallas, for example, LA, um, even areas like Charlotte, DC, those are areas that, that there is a lot of soccer and uh, talent coming out of it. So Nashville becoming one of those. And one thing I do want to mention is the Nashville SC Academy uh, because what makes MLS different than different than NFL or, or any of the other leagues that we have in America is that the draft is like, you know, maybe the third or fourth most important thing to get young talents, third or most, fourth most important mechanism to get young mm-hmm. talent. Uh, academy, um, international transfers, those are higher up more important than the draft. So the next step to see young talents is a Nashville Academy guys. So kids who have been in the National Academy since they were 11, 12, grew up and signed that professional contract. And they have one right now in Adam Sipich, who did sign the first ever homegrown contract with Nashville SC. So that's a kid who's played in Nashville, who's part of the National Academy, who currently, as of 2024, will be a Nashville SC player. Now, he'll probably play most of his minutes in Huntsville, uh, their second team, uh, of course, but but he's still a Nashville SC player and he's the first ever homegrown kid to have that contract. So that's kind of the next step in the evolution. It's not just getting the college kids also having a, having a functional Academy that's producing talent for Nashville SC and for other teams as well. It could be the second division teams. It could be, uh, could be other MLS teams, could be international teams. Great. Valeria Shabula joining us here on main street sports today, presented by mid Tennessee bone and joint as we're talking a little professional soccer and trying not to get out over our skis basically because this is a very educational i mean every time we have a layer on we learn something because he knows a lot we know and we know nothing so um i mean i think and i really think that's to our credit a little bit because i'm I'm not going to try to tell you i'm a soccer expert i'm not but we can put you in in touch 
with folks who are, and Valaire definitely qualifies. So Valaire, one thing I noticed in the MLS Super Draft is a lot of these kids that were drafted, like Malachi Jones, they're underclassmen. What is their situation? I mean, they have the option to come back to school, you know, with the transfer portal, that's another story. But I mean, they have the option to come back to school or sign immediately, or how long does their drafting team retain their rights if they don't come out right now? How does that work? Right. So uh, first of all, give yourself some credit because you guys, you guys know a little bit more about soccer than you, than you, you, you let on. But uh, and thank you for bringing me back. I, I can explain anything, right? Uh, but um, but in terms of that, it's a new thing that Nash, uh, that MLS is doing uh, with their drafts is that given the option for kids to go back to school, finish up their season, and then come come and join their team, the the teams that drafted them will have their rights until they sign for a different team. And if another team wants to sign them, then they'll have to buy those rights from that team. So uh, they will always have those rights if they play in MLS. Now, of course, they can probably go and sign somewhere internationally. That's out of MLS's hands. But, you know, again, that's not happening a lot for these college kids because generally international teams are looking for 16, 17, maybe 18-year-olds. They're not looking at 20-something-year-olds. For National SC and for teams who drafted these younger underclassmen, like you like you said, it might be for their benefit for them to go and play their last season or their last two seasons with their with their school because that is guaranteed minute for these kids. So if they come and join your team or even your second team, it's not guaranteed that they're going to play. Um, they they might sit on the bench. They might they might not find a spot. Um, and and some of them might just find it hard to adapt. Right. So. Maybe they want to go finish up their degree or, or, or anything of that nature, right? So you want to give them that option, I think. And, and most importantly, since they've already committed to, to, to go into this team, you know that you can, you can bring them back. And, and the, the one thing about the college draft or the super draft with MLS is that very, very rarely do players end up playing meaningful MLS minutes the first year they're drafted. Very rarely, especially not attacking players. Generally, what happens is that they come and they come to the team, um, they get sent to the second team, or maybe they, uh, they they start training with this first team a little bit. Maybe they'll get a minute in the Open Cup, which I know we'll talk about in a second. Uh, maybe maybe they'll get uh, they'll, they'll get some minutes in these other competitions. Maybe they'll go with the team to a preseason, but very rarely are they playing meaningful first minutes. And sometimes they go on loan to USL or second division teams, right? So. That could be their loan. Their loan is that they're going back to their school team and playing there. But these guys who are getting drafted, they're playing every single minute for their school team. They're they're the captains. They're the uh, they're they're you know the, that solid center back that's going to play every minute, start every game, or that striker who's scoring goals. That sort of experience they probably can't get with the second team with the pros. Uh, but again, there are some teams who are uh, who have maybe more complex style of play who would want kids to come as soon as possible and play for them as soon as possible. Now, those teams generally kind of skip the draft altogether, trade all their picks away and just develop their own kids separate from the draft, like Philadelphia Union. Every year, the Philadelphia Union just gives away all of, all of their all their picks and say, nope, we're good. We don't, we don't want to use the college system. We'll just use our academy. There's a couple teams like that around the league, but uh, National SC has been a big fan of the draft so far since they came to the league and they used it as a mechanism and developed some really, really fine players from it. Uh, Jack Maris, the probably the biggest name, um, you know, constant starter center back 
very, very high level player. Um, and he's finding, finding it really great in Nashville and, and really enjoying it. Valeria Shabila again here with us on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Valeria, you just mentioned it. Let's talk about it. The U.S. <laughs> soccer and MLS drama as it relates to the U.S. Open Cup. Last Friday, the MLS announced that it would send its next pro teams to the Open Cup in 2024. Yesterday, the U.S. soccer folks said, no, you won't. <laughs> no, that's not yeah. how this works. It, it, it was a request. You requested it, and we denied your request. And it made me think of uh, my cousin Vinny overruled. <laughs> and like, that's all I could think of because, <laughs> like, I feel like this is this is going to end up in court somewhere or something. But it, it kind of give us a backstory here. MLS, why don't they want to play in the, in the U.S. Open Cup? And secondly, what recourse does U.S. soccer have, if any? So MLS, their main reason of why they didn't want to participate in the U.S. Open Cup or not participate in their first teams in the U.S. Open Cup is because fixture congestion or just that just means there are too many games, right? So they're saying... They're saying we're playing too much games. The players are tired. The players are getting injured. We shouldn't be playing at that many games. And for that reason, we're going to send our second teams to the U.S. Open Cup because, well, they didn't say that publicly, but Don Garber, the commissioner, the MLS commissioner, has stated on multiple times that the conditions of play for the U.S. Open Cup are just unacceptable, and he just doesn't see U.S. Open Cup as a prestigious enough competition, I guess, as the way it is. What U.S. soccer has is a policy and, well, they have the law in their hand, which says the highest, um, the highest level of soccer, the highest uh, division of soccer, which is MLS, must participate in the U.S. Open Cup. Now, MLS can come back and say, technically, because Nashville owns Huntsville, that's they're sending Huntsville instead of Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot of back and forth. And I think what what kind of became clear as these statements started coming out yesterday, so like you said, they announced an, MLS announced their decision on Friday afternoon, which is, you know, when you want to announce all the good decisions, right? Uh, so so they announced that. that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and I think I think they were a little surprised on the reaction. I think there was just a lot of you know, a lot of fans and a lot of journalists and, and even former players, uh, formal coaches came out and just said, this is ridiculous. Why, why are we doing this? Why is this the solution for that, for that problem? And I think what it slowly started becoming more clear to me after all the statements yesterday that you mentioned is that MLS might have seen this opportunity as a negotiation. Maybe they knew all along that they can't pull their first teams and just wanted to use that to see where they stand or where their power is. We'll wait and see what happens. The the thing with the the thing with the US Open Cup is that MLS teams have been playing their kids and their second teams in in it anyway. So that's the part that a lot of people are confused about. There are the MLS rules, the MLS um, roster rules are very complex, right? So you can't play X amount of internationals, you can't play you have to play X amount of local kids whatever. However, when the team plays in the U.S. Open Cup, 
those rules don't apply because MLS rules do not apply to US Open Cup. So Nashville SC can theoretically bring all the Huntsville guys and play as Nashville. And that's so because okay. US soccer doesn't have those restrictions, the MLS roster includes, to put in baseball terms, the major everybody league club, the, the AAA club, mm -hmm. the double A club, the single A club, yep. the rookie ball yep. club, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and you can play anybody you want. Right. They so, can bring academy kids. They can bring any, like you said, anyone within that franchise, which is a lot of players. So, so what you're telling me is there is no recourse for U.S. soccer here. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the the thing is, they just want the name, right? So when you when you look at when you look at a competition and you see Inter Miami, let's just yeah. get to, to, to where, what everybody's asking about. You see Inter Miami versus <laughs> Pittsburgh Riverhounds, whatever, who is a USL team. You're going to be more interested in that because there is a possibility that Messi's going to play. Now, if you look and see Inter Miami 2, <laughs> you're probably not going to watch that match because it's a second team and you don't care. So the, the other thing is that once, these, uh, once the competition goes further along, so the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the final, these teams are no longer playing their kids. They're playing their regular starters because there is something at the line. If you win the Open Cup, not only are you winning a cup, which is a big deal, of course, you're winning a competition, you also qualify for uh, the Champions Cup, which I know we we might we might need to do a whole whole another thing on that. But we we talked a little bit about that uh, at a pre in a previous show because yeah. the Champions yeah. Cup includes the CONCACAF and yep. all of those other uh, league cups that, that are, you know, so it's just one big cup for everybody. Yep, for the continent, yes. Yeah. Uh, Central America, North America, and the Caribbean. That's that's what it is for. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, say that's the case, if, let's say, Nashville SC takes its Huntsville team and wins the U.S. Open Cup, can they play Nashville SC in the CONCACAF. That's that's the mm. stuff that's unclear at the moment. Mm. And gotcha. if, if they if they enter the tournament as Huntsville, they will not be able to take Nashville. I don't think that, they can. That that enter I as would Huntsville. be very surprised if that's how it worked. Um the other way around, you can though, right? If if you're playing under Nashville SC's team, then you can take whoever you want. Because again, the CONCACAF rules who who control who who governs the Champions Cup? They're not as strict as the MLS roster, right? So there's no cap for for Concacaf, for example. Uh, so you can realistically sign a player for a day, have him play this game, and then he goes away. I mean, nobody's doing that. But but the, since there are no no uh, res, uh, no restrictions, or not as many restrictions, I should say, as mm -hmm. MLS, you can play your your Huntsville guys, for example, mm -hmm. here, uh, and you can play your second team guys as well. This is absurd, is what it is. And I think this is going to end up being a battle that neither one of these organizations want to fight. But I feel like the U.S. Open Cup has a lot more to lose. They, they definitely do, right? And in, in terms of, in terms of uh, marketability, if you lose the MLS uh, name. If you lose the MLS team names, your your tournament's already way less marketable. However, the U.S. Federation, U.S. Soccer Federation, sits under Concacaf. Concacaf sits under FIFA, 
And there are some rules from FIFA and CONCACAF and the U.S. Soccer Federations that prevents MLS from pooling their teams from the U.S. Open Cup. That's just the law as well. And that's the, the thing with soccer. Now, <laughs> FIFA and CONCACAF are not known to be the most transparent organizations out there. No, no, um, no. So, you know, I wouldn't hold out too much hope there. Um, and the, the other thing I, I think we should mention is that the U.S. Open Cup is such a historic tournament. And when I say historic, I don't mean just that it's old. It's also very important. So each country has a national championship, if you would call it that. And the U.S. Open Cup is America's version of that. It started in 1914. It's over 100 years of history. And it's the only continuous soccer competition in the United States that has even half as much as the U.S. Open Cup. There isn't even one. MLS didn't start till 96, just to give you an example. The other thing about the U.S. Open Cup is that it gives uh, gives opportunity to teams like uh, USL teams and, and below teams to participate. We had an amateur team a few years back beat two pro teams, an amateur team. So these are the storylines. These are the things that U.S. Open Cups provide that you can't find in any other sport in America because this, you, yeah. you just don't see that. Um, this is kind of like if there was a a true Division One FBS national tournament with the ability for Liberty and Tulane, et cetera, to get to play games against Georgia, Alabama, and prove that they're not good enough. That's basically what this would be. Yeah. And so that's interesting. Man. And even taking a step further, you can – there was a team two years ago named after a liquor store. They just kind of got together and Chico's and, Bell Bonds, yeah. Bad News Bears. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> well, Valer, thanks for taking some time and, and and educating us a little bit on what's going on. It is a it, it is insane. We'll we'll keep up with it and we'll get you back on when when something new comes up. We we appreciate it again. Absolutely. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, that's Valer Shabilla. Follow him at Valer Shabilla on Twitter. Mo, we don't have time to go to a break because we want to talk about baseball and mm-hmm. some new rules. So let's do that. Uh, the MLB Competition Committee passed four new rules today. Number one, the pitch clock will be reduced from 20 seconds to 18 seconds when there is a runner on base. Hmm. Mound visits used to be five per game. Now you only get four. The runner's lane has been widened to include all of the dirt between the foul line and the infield grass. So... I don't know if they are going to continue using the the runner's lane chalk or not. Not sure it's necessary at this point. Doesn't, doesn't seem necessary. If you've got a foul line and you've got infield grass, then I don't know that a line, a second line for the lane is necessary. Is necessary. Yeah. And here's a weird one. That one actually may be common sense and I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, there were a lot of there were a lot of issues created over players running inside the baseline. Which to me, if you're inside the baseline, you're in the field of play, and if you get hit, that's that's interference. 
pretty clearly. Mm -hmm. Now it's no longer interference. So whatever. But this one makes no sense. We've already got the minimum, the three batter minimum, right? If you come in in the middle of an inning, you got to face three batters. Mm -hmm. Well, now if you warm up for an inning, you have to face a batter. If you warm up at all. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why not? And why would you go out and warm up unless you're soft? Why would you go out to warm up if you weren't going to face a bat? How many times have we seen two pitchers warming up in a bullpen? A righty and a lefty. Okay. Based on the, the lineup that could be out there. So now, how do you, how do you pitch two pitchers? And if it's just one batter, now we're back to the whole issue that we used to have of taking pitchers out to put in for after one batter to put in another pitcher. Now you can only do it three times because you only have four mountain visits, but mm -hmm. still. That doesn't I, make any sense to I me. Know. I think I'm going to have to see that one in action and see instances of it creating an issue to really grasp it because i mean it, it doesn't necessarily right here bother me but, well why does I it mean, need to be a rule because we're over officious i don't know <laughs> like that's the thing like i mean okay well if it's I mean, not we're, a problem we're, then we're, why, we're, what are we doing yeah it, it's as as a friend of mine in the legal profession is fond of saying, it sounds like a solution looking for a problem. <laughs> it's exactly so, what it is. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. So, well, here's the thing. Those four rules did pass, but it was not without dissent. I don't, I mean, I would be the, the 20 to 18 with runners on base. I think if I were a pitcher, I'd be a little bothered. By yeah. That. You're all, I mean, it was already hard enough at 20. Yeah. And looking at the article on CBS sports discussing these time changes, <clears throat> The average time of game went down 24 minutes from 2022 to 23. It went from 306 to 242. Which is a good number. And so I'm not sure how much more you are trying to squeeze out of this orange. Yeah, two, 240 what? 242. 242 is plenty. from 306. Yeah, 242 is a good number. I mean... If if I go to a game, if I go to a game, it's likely going to be in Atlanta. I've taken about four hours to get there. You're going to rush me through a game. You're going to play in two hours and a half. Happened to me. I mean, I, I'm feeling a little cheated. <laughs> this is it. Well, first game I ever went to. Hour and fifty one minutes. Yeah, that's it. We're done. It was Maddox. So what yeah, was he? What were you going to do? Hey, what were you going to do? <laughs> 
But I mean, I'm not one of those people that is watching baseball. When, and maybe that's the problem. I'm not one of those people You're that not. is watching baseball and saying, this is taking too long. And and I still I still feel like the people that are saying that aren't really baseball fans. But Tony Clark, the players' representative, hmm? uh, executive director of the MLBPA, said player representatives voted against the 2024 rule changes proposed by the commissioner's office, as they made clear in the competition committee. Players feel strongly that following last season's profound changes, the fundamental rules of the game, immediate additional changes are unnecessary and offer no meaningful benefits to fans, players, or the competition on the field. The season should be used to gather additional data to, and fully examine the health, safety, and injury impacts of reduced recovery time. That is where our focus will be. And that's one of the things that we talked about with the elbow and forearm, forearm, forearm strains issues. that we were seeing, particularly early, early in the year. year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens, man. Players are not happy. Next CBA negotiations mm-hmm. might be real interesting. Contentious. So, all right, that's it for today. Come back with us tomorrow. We will have uh, college football picks. Mm -hmm. We will have uh, Terry, of course, and we will have plenty more. We are efforting to get a couple of, or at least one, but a couple of very uh, timely guests. So it's going to be fun. So come with us tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll see you.